When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That you're born an Italian If you want your life to be great See that you're born an Italiano And your life will be great From the moment you're a small bambino You eat pizza, you drink vino Then they make you roly-poly you get stuffed with ravioli. If your mama's a paisano, you will have the world on a plate. So see that you're born in Italiano and your life will be great. Welcome back, Paisani, to another episode of the Italian American Podcast. I'm your moderator, John Viola, and today I'm flying solo as we bring you the first chapter of our Conversations with Columbus miniseries here on the Italian American Podcast. For those of you who are longtime listeners, you know last week we sent out a brief announcement in lieu of a show forecasting the fact that we were going to do this series. And to be very frank, it's been one that we've really wrestled with here at the Italian American Podcast. As everybody's probably aware, in recent years, the legacy, the history, the reputation, the Italian-American attachment to and about Christopher Columbus has come into question more and more over the past few decades. And we at the Italian-American Podcast, while we very much try to keep our show entertaining, educational, light, fun, and uh, as we like to say sometimes, frankly, escapist, we've decided after some very encouraging and thoughtful letters from our listeners, comments through social media, and really requests from the Italian-American community at large that while we usually prefer to stay out of sensitive topics, sometimes you have to wade into muddy waters. And uh, whether we like it or not, this is a topic that really impacts our community and really one that we felt hasn't had sensitive hands deal with it. As many of you probably have seen from the news around you, it's hard to miss, particularly in recent months, the questions around Columbus and his legacy have increased. Instances of statues being torn down, statues being taken down by municipal directives. Questions around Columbus Day, both locally and on a national level, have entered into the popular conversation. And like I say, many, many of our listeners have asked us to weigh in. And so as we kind of looked out and wrestled with the idea of how we would handle something while trying to remain objective, unfortunately, we found, and I think it's safe to say many of you can agree, the conversation is one that's been handled with far more emotion than it has with any kind of historical or intellectual rigor. It's been driven by a lot of anxiety, a lot of personal feelings, and perhaps the fact that we've waited to address this has actually given us an opportunity to remove emotion a little bit from the conversation and try to refocus from a perspective of history and truth and objectivity and thoughtfulness and patience. 
So today's episode is really going to be an introduction to what this process looks like. I want to share with everybody a little bit of our plans, what we've done so far, how we're going to take the time to really handle this in a sensitive way, and what you can expect over the next few weeks, and frankly, over the next few months, because the frequency of this conversation is not going to go anywhere but up as we approach Columbus Day in October. And it's going to be a very unique October, because unlike previous years, there probably won't be parades anywhere, not because of protest or sensitivity, but because of the COVID outbreak and the fact that we aren't quite sure where we're going to be day to day and certainly not in October. So these things take massive planning and it's going to be a pause across the country. And frankly, without Italian Americans out in the significant numbers that they usually turn out for these parades, it's going to be a very reflective time. So we want to be patient and thoughtful as we go through this process. So you're not going to get these Columbus episodes every week necessarily, because as we say, many of you from the letters and comments that we get, let us know that this is a show that you look forward to as a chance to reconnect to your heritage, have a little fun, learn something. And we don't want to take that away. Just like when we didn't want to make every week about COVID during this crisis, we had our limited series where Pat took on the responsibility to just do some mini episodes and talk to friends and colleagues in Italy and get a different perspective on life on the ground there. We're going to do these shows in a similar way. They are going to be airing in our regular time slots on Mondays. They're going to be regular full-length episodes. They'll be part of the episode archive of the Italian American podcast, but they're not going to be necessarily airing week after week. We're trying very hard to focus on getting the right voices, asking the right questions, and doing this in a manner that's respectful to what it takes to put together real and thoughtful investigation. So what I wanted to do this week was kind of outline for everybody how we plan on doing that and the questions we plan on asking and some of the people we plan on speaking to or at least some of the people we hope to speak to. But before we do that, I just want to outline a brief overview of the situation for those of you who may be uninitiated to it. Frankly, I know a lot of people who are avoiding the news these days because it's so overwhelming. So people may not actually be aware of where this conversation is or what it's based on. If you go back to episode 112 in our archive from last October, we took a longer look at how Columbus and Columbus Day became identified with the Italian-American community. And for us, that was, we thought, of an objective way to stay out of the fray of this conversation and not come down on either side, but to sort of explore something that many of us might take for granted, the idea that Columbus and the Italian-American community are intrinsically tied. And it's a complex history, and it's an interesting and fascinating one. So if you haven't already listened, please feel free to go back and give yourself a deeper dive into the conversation around how Columbus evolved into an Italian-American heroic figure. I think it's one that those of you who haven't listened will really enjoy, and you'll learn a lot. But to give you a brief overview before we intro into the series. You know, Christopher Columbus has been a figure at the heart of the American identity since our very founding. Obviously, from 1492, when he sails into the New World and connects the two previously disconnected and discordant hemispheres, the Columbian exchange really does redefine civilization. You know, I've had many conversations about Columbus over the past few months, and somebody said it best. They said, imagine getting in a spaceship and shooting up into the stars, not knowing where you're going, landing on a planet, finding people that look and act like you, and then taking that news back to Earth. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say it that way. This is an unprecedented awakening in 
the idea of human consciousness, that there's a whole other part of this planet that nobody ever even assumed was there. So the Columbian Exchange begins with his four voyages between 1492 and 1502, all of which he was quite convinced he was still going to find a direct route to Asia. And Columbus actually made landfall over the course of those four voyages on many of today's island nations in the Caribbean, and never came to the continental United States or North America. Closest he got was Trinidad and Tobago to South America. But needless to say, his landing, his writings, his representation of the place and its potential wealth back in Spain and back in the old world opened up an era of advanced exploration, advanced science, trade, and communication between peoples that knew nothing of one another, and unfortunately, all of the ills that come when peoples rub up against one another and resources are at stake. But in the course of nearly 300 years between Columbus's first voyage and the independence of the United States of America, his reputation remained one really of a scientist. But it's when America is founded in the 1770s and 80s, and this new nation is looking for a hero that's not attached to anything to do with their former colonial masters in the British Empire, that they settle on Columbus, who's a figure free of any British legacy, as a central figure in the new American mythology. And Columbus obviously lends his name to the U.S. capital, many, many cities, municipalities here in the United States. As a matter of fact, interestingly enough, before we had Uncle Sam, the national personification, the human figure that was used to represent America, just like uh, John Bull represented Great Britain and Marianne represented France or Italia Turita represented Italy, was the Lady Columbia, uh, named obviously after Christopher Columbus, and she was the figure that personified the U.S. for over a century until the creation of the Uncle Sam character up in Troy, New York. So Columbus is absolutely tied to the identity of America from its very earliest days, the first celebration of Columbus Day being in 1792 on the 300th anniversary of his first voyage. In 1892, the anniversary of his discovery, October 12th, is celebrated nationally for the first time with a declaration from then-President Benjamin Harrison declaring a one-day celebration of Columbus Day. And it's really interesting. I've learned a lot about that one-day celebration from the writing of Professor Bill Connell over at Seton Hall University, who's an amazing resource for the Italian-American community. What a scholar. And again, giving you insight into the series, someone that we hope to have on for an interview to talk about the celebration of Columbus Day and its history. Professor Connell's written a bunch on that theme and points out that the first celebration of Columbus Day, while intended to be a one-year event, was really interesting because it was declared in the wake of two incredible national tragedies. Uh, one, the massacre at Wounded Knee, and the second, which relates greatly to what we do on the show and our Italian American community, and one that we talk about very frequently, is the 1891 lynching of 11 falsely accused Italians in New Orleans, Louisiana. Needless to say, a significant number of innocent people summarily killed and a significant blow to relations between the U.S. and the young kingdom of Italy at that time. It was world news. The kingdom of Italy recalled its ambassador. There was even talk of war. And many people felt that while it was not expressly written in the declaration of the holiday, President Harrison was trying to create a day within our national pantheon to acknowledge the contributions of really the more marginalized communities of new Americans and Native Americans. 
it's interesting, as Professor Connell points out, and I hope we get to talk to him more because there's a lot of interesting fact to unload here, but he points out in the 2013 paper written on this exact topic that if you look at the holidays that we celebrated as a nation in 1892, you had holidays that were either religious in nature, like Christmas and Easter, or tied to scheduling, like New Year's, or tied to the birth of important historical figures, Washington and Lincoln more specifically, because we can't forget that those holidays were celebrated as individual holidays until President's Day was created many decades later to merge the two. But even if you look at modern holidays, like Martin Luther King Day, it's a holiday that was created around the birth of the figure that it celebrates. Columbus Day remains the only holiday named after a man, but actually celebrating the anniversary of an event. So in some ways, it was actually formed to be a new holiday and at the beginning of this celebration, while there was obviously heavy odes to his Italian background and the growing Italian-American community, don't forget 1890 to 1920 is the height of our immigration to this country. We came in numbers never seen before from an immigrant population. Uh, in reality, the holiday was actually founded to talk about all groups and meant a significant deal to many newly arriving immigrant ethnic groups, not the least of which was Latin Americans, obviously, who had been celebrating a version of Columbus Day or Dia de la Raza for some years at that point, and, and many nations still continue to celebrate that holiday. Over the years, the holiday was celebrated sporadically until 1941, when Franklin Roosevelt declares it a national holiday in, again, the wake of an Italian-American tragedy, which is the internment during the early days of World War II of Italian, German, and Japanese Americans at the hands of the U.S. government. It's a policy that Roosevelt regrets pretty quickly and reverses. And uh, for many, the idea of declaring Columbus as a national holiday was seen as extending a hand to the Italian-American community. Because as we recall from previous episodes, while there are a significant number of Italian-Americans interred or declared enemy aliens and their businesses disrupted or their lives disrupted, at the same time, Italian-Americans constitute the largest percentage of the armed forces of the United States fighting overseas. So Franklin, in 1941, creates this national holiday. And it's actually not until 1971 that the holiday is declared a federal holiday. And uh, it took me a little bit to figure out the difference between the two. Apparently, a national holiday is a day celebrated throughout the nation, while a federal holiday is one in which government businesses and banks are officially closed, a banking holiday. And while it's a day in which businesses and government functions are closed from a federal level, apparently states are not legally obligated to observe a federal holiday. So that's something we have to keep in mind as this conversation evolves. And from the 40s on, the holiday becomes increasingly associated with our Italian-American community. And as the nation gears up for the 500th anniversary celebrations in 1992, we begin to see conversations about Columbus's legacy from a different context. And that's not to say there was not hesitation around Columbus as a hero, both nationally or in the Italian-American community in the eras before. As we'll see in some of the interviews we've already conducted in future episodes, there was concern about Columbus's legacy earlier, but it's in the late 80s and early 90s that the popular perception begins to come into question. And many scholars would actually attribute this new examination of Columbus to a project at UCLA's Medieval and Renaissance Center called the Repertorium Columbianum, which is a multi-volume work, I think it's about 10 volumes, that was started in 1986. And in 1993, some of the earliest volumes are translated. And the Repertorium was really an attempt to 
retranslate with a diligent eye for the first time all of the contemporary writings available around Columbus, his journeys, his diaries, contemporary reports about his experiences, even so far as to translate indigenous American accounts of Columbus's early exchanges. That project actually did not come to completion until 2004. So you're talking about decades-long work. But as the nation is prepping for the 500th celebration, some translations that are released begin to change the popular dialogue. And so in light of these new scholarly revelations, many cities, municipalities around the country begin to change their approach to the celebration of Columbus. In the 80s, uh, the parade in San Francisco, one of the longest running in the country, becomes the Italian Heritage Parade. It's still celebrated on Columbus Day weekend as the Italian Heritage Parade, although now, as of two years ago, the city of San Francisco recognizes the day of October 12th as Indigenous Peoples Day, and that's another movement that we'll explore over the course of these episodes. Over the years, cities like Portland, Seattle, Los Angeles, and many smaller towns began to change their celebrations from Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Day. And although there had been celebrations of Native American Day in various states, uh, different times of the year, sometimes August, some states September, some states November, the idea of Indigenous Peoples Day replacing Columbus Day really begins in 1989 in South Dakota and begins to take hold in some people's minds as an attempt to re-examine the telling of history that critics felt was Eurocentric and colonial in its origins. And obviously, as a holiday that has come to represent Italian-Americans, comes under fire and begins to face elimination in certain towns, it's our Italian-American community that is collateral damage to these changes. And so we, as a community, have been at the forefront of this discussion. And in my mind, what sort of happened is people in our community begun to take sides and unfortunately turn on one another in their approach to this issue. And the volume and vitriol around this conversation has increased exponentially in the wake of the death of George Floyd in May of this year. So right now we have a situation, as we said earlier, where statues are coming down, cities and counties and states are aggressively addressing this question of Columbus, and you're seeing places where some statues have been torn down unceremoniously by protesters, others where they've been taken down by municipalities, others where they've been taken down by Italian-Americans, some where they have been removed in the middle of the night by authorities, some have been defended by Italian-American activists who have come out to surround and defend these statues. So it's become a really hot-button topic and one that has caused a lot of emotional flares and one where we'd like to take down the emotional volume a little bit if we can and turn up the academic and logical volume uh, to the best of our abilities here with frankly, our limited resources, because none of us is expert on this very sensitive topic. And so we want to go on a journey of exploration. We want to go on a fact-finding mission, and we want you to come along with us as we ask these questions ourselves. And so to introduce you to our plan a little bit, our intention has been, as we said, to get the right voices and give them a forum to speak. What I want to do today is just kind of highlight the questions that we plan on asking, some of the people or types of people that we have already interviewed or are seeking out to interview and bring to you and a structure of what this is going to look like, and then engage you, our audience, in this process as well, because people have questions that they want answered, and we want to be helpful in presenting those. You know, I spoke about the Repertorium Columbianum and the idea of collating and translating 
the contemporary works on Columbus. And so for me, who's not a Columbus scholar, uh, over the years that I've been involved in this conversation from my time at the National Italian American Foundation to now, I've done my best to try to really dig into the question of who was Christopher Columbus. And even a cursory Google search, if you dig a little deeper than the first few websites, proves that he's neither the hegeographical hero nor the modern-day villain that either side portrays him as. He's a very, very complicated figure, and really one that we actually know very little about. Compared to other figures, there's very little primary documentation. And when I say primary documentation or contemporary documentation for the non-historians, that means writings from the time of his life. We don't have, as far as I can understand it, any primary sources from Columbus's hands. Even his diaries are second and third translations of the original text, which are believed to be lost. And so when we dig into those translations, an interesting pattern that does arise is some documentation paints Columbus as really a near saint. There was even talk over the centuries of sainthood. And others who paint him as a self-centered social climber, enslaver, a violator of rights. And there are contrasting accounts at every turn. So it's very hard to clear out and disseminate a line of objective fact from the historical record available. And an interesting trend is the fact that many of the accounts that are more heavily critical of Columbus come from a particular source, a man named Bartolomeo de las Casas. And he's one figure that I think we're going to focus on for at least an episode and try to understand more because he's the source of many of the criticisms of Columbus in his writings. And again, in descriptions of de las Casas, there's a lot of confusion and a lot of contradiction. Some have described him as a heated rival to Columbus, others as a friend and colleague. So we want to set out to understand not just the questions being asked now and what Columbus and his legacy mean here in the present day, but also to really explore from a historiographical perspective how we get to know Columbus, because there are some very well-respected scholars who question whether or not he was actually from Genova, some who believe he could have been Catalan or Spanish or Portuguese, uh, there's a few scholars who maintain a theory that Columbus, because of his use of Hebrew, could have been from an Iberian Jewish family. And so the ability for us to discern hard truths, factual truths, is one that really will take some work and, and work that we intend to do here, again, to the best of our ability. So all this leads to the question of what are we setting out to ask, right? If our community is going to be at the forefront of this debate, we should make it a dialogue and present as much truth as can be found. We've done a few interviews so far, and you'll get the body of those in the coming weeks. And in one of them, our co-host, Pat O'Boyle, did a pretty good job of laying out what he thought we were seeking. So I want to give you a chance to listen to that now. In light of the current crisis, the first question should be, were the actions of Christopher Columbus in 1492, in light of the time which within he lived, immoral, illegal, or criminal? Was the current popular narrative that Columbus engaged in murder and slave trading accurate? If he himself was not personally a murderous slave trader or the like, did he allow or fail to stop such activities? If his actions are not such, then where did the current narrative come from? Why does it differ from the past historical narrative? Was new research done? Have new facts been found? Was the way that the history was presented in the past misrepresentative in the past by individuals with an intended motive? Or is the present history condemning Columbus being skewed because of the current presenters 
having motives that go beyond factual accuracy. This has to be examined. He's either guilty or he's innocent. If he's innocent, then should we stand by as this is going on? Or if he's guilty, then why are the communities where the statue is being torn down not addressing the fact that they're not intending to replace the Columbus statues with other statues that celebrate Italian heritage? And there's nothing on here that's controversial. It's all facts. And give me the fact. So I think Pat makes some pretty good points about our attempts to seek out truth here. And the question becomes, how can we do this? Obviously, like I say, this is something that we've taken a lot of time and put a lot of thought into. And one of the first decisions we made was that we didn't want to do simply a one-episode debate with an anti-Columbus and a pro-Columbus figure and us as the moderators. We need to give people information and allow them to think through this. We didn't want to give them argument to impact their emotion. We thought putting two people together who had differing opinions would sway emotion. People, frankly, win arguments without utilizing fact in many cases, and we didn't want it to be where we appealed to people based on who was the best speaker or presenter and how strong their case was. You know, this is an effort to find truth as best we can, see where there is no truth to be found, and give people the opportunity to make up their own minds around how they feel about this man, his legacy, his day, and his relation to the Italian-American community. So then we thought maybe, okay, one episode where we ask the same questions to a pro-Columbus scholar, another where we ask the same questions to an anti-Columbus scholar. But there's so many questions and angles to this situation that we kind of felt that was too limited. We have already conducted two interviews, and we hope to conduct more. And instead of simply airing the interviews, we want to use them as kind of an audio work cited so we can ask a series of questions and then present our listeners with varying views on those topics. So while we don't want to put these scholars together on a panel and as much as we value cacophony and speaking over one another on this show, we didn't think on an important and sensitive topic like this that was appropriate. So we're going to kind of present you with the question and then the answers that we got from varying people and from varying perspectives. And in some cases, those questions will be uh, a little bit nuanced depending on who we're speaking to and what the core topic of those conversations are. So here's what we want to ask. First of all, like I say, who was Christopher Columbus? For a man with his name on a country, the U.S. Capitol, countless municipalities, streets, organizations, and the like, he's really hard to know. But when was he born? Historians can't really agree on the date. Where was he born? Was he Italian? What about these credible theories that say he might have been from another place? And then what are the sources? Who are the best Columbus scholars today that really understand the scope of work and writing on the man? And then we have to dedicate ourselves to asking, what does he mean to the United States, not just the Italian-American community? Is this even our issue as Italian-Americans, or is it a larger issue that faces the whole nation? You know, there's a complex history, of, as we've discussed in episode 112, and as we will discuss again with different scholarly voices to how Columbus became a figure within the Italian-American community. And there's a part of me that feels that this conversation is just significantly bigger than one relegated to just us. And I I don't think it's fair for us to be having this conversation internally, Italian-Americans arguing about what legacy we should tie to our heritage. This is complex. It's not black and white. It's not binary. And I think we owe it as a community that has gained so much from this country 
to be thought leaders on this topic because it's a topic that reflects other conversations we're obviously having about our nation's complex history, what history and memorialization and recollection and mythology mean to a modern nation. And particularly in a time where, you know, you can spend a few minutes on your phone and gather more information than the average citizen could have gathered in weeks, not 50 years ago. So people have been overwhelmed by information, but information that is acquired out of context, and in some cases, unfortunately, with a heavy bias that the reader just doesn't know is there. I always say, and I've said it on this show before, we live in a world with an abundance of information, and we confuse that information with knowledge, which comes over time, which comes through hopefully a process like this, where you measure the information you have against contrasting opinions and arguments and facts, and that's what I hope we can do. Then we want to talk about what this holiday means both legally and socially within the United States, right? The idea of a federal holiday, it's not as simple as an Italian-American celebration as we talked about. And, you know, there are voices in the Italian-American community that say, rename the holiday Italian-American Day or name it after a different Italian-American or a local Italian-American. But again, it's a federal holiday. It's a holiday that at its deepest roots is not really necessarily about us. And so what does it mean to change that holiday? And what were the initial impetuses behind it and the ideas and themes that made it a national and then a federal celebration? And can we continue to honor those themes or honor them better than we have before? So that's really important because we want to have a conversation with stakeholders, both from our community and from outside, stakeholders that de-emphasize ethnicity or specific ethnicity, stakeholders from the indigenous American community, where obviously this has become unfortunately a binary conversation where many are pitting the idea of Columbus Day as a de facto Italian-American day versus the celebration of Indigenous Peoples Day. And I, and I often feel like that's really unfair to both communities because I'm sure most Native Americans don't want to have their celebration tainted by the frustrations and anger of the Italian-American community. And most Italian-Americans don't want to have the rightful celebration of Indigenous Peoples come at the cost of what they see as their national holiday. Then we have to talk about the monuments to him, because while many of the monuments to Columbus predate our arrival in this country in significant numbers, a considerable amount were raised in direct reaction to the 1891 lynchings in New Orleans, and many of those monuments were funded by the Italian-American community. And there's legal issues that come up around these monuments that we want to discuss. What does it mean? Who has ownership? Who has rights? Each case is distinct, and that's something that we should at least explore and explain to people because I look at what happened a few years ago when there was conversations about taking down the monument and name of Columbus Circle here in my hometown in New York City, and it was really the Italian-American community's insistence that this was not a monument simply dedicated to Columbus as a figure, but a monument dedicated to Italian-Americans in the wake of this lynching and with funds raised by the Italian-American community. So these monuments that are being torn down or taken down or defended all have their own story to tell. And so we want to do a little bit of exploration of kind of material history and memorialization and, and a wider conversation about 
these individual monuments in some cases, but also what it means to memorialize your history, because that's another conversation that's not being had. And while obviously societies change, their values change, what they want to memorialize changes, it's probably a lot healthier to perform that surgery with a scalpel than with a hatchet. And in the way we're doing it now, it's much more akin to a hatchet. And through all of these topics, we do want to bring contrasting Italian-American voices in, because when we ask what Columbus means to us, we get a lot of different opinions from a lot of different people. Some would say Columbus first came under attack in the 1890s from the Ku Klux Klan, who felt that his Catholicism, his outsiderness, his Italian heritage were dangerous to American society. Uh, Others would say that the attachment of Italian immigrants, primarily Southern Italian immigrants, to Columbus in the 1890s to 1920s was was hoisted upon them by prominent members of the Italian-American community. There's a lot of socioeconomic opinions and theories that come into play here, and, and none of them is, in my mind, an answer that we can just take lock, stock, and barrel off the shelf. These need to be explored with these contrasting voices. And finally, we want to ask, is there anything close to a consensus in the Italian-American community? You know, we did take a poll, and many of you who are longtime listeners will remember taking our community audit poll, as we called it, leading up to January 2020. And when we did that, we asked a question uh, that's on there. Over the past several years, we asked, many U.S. municipalities have replaced Columbus Day with Indigenous Peoples Day. Please select the statement or statements that most closely reflect your own. So the way we phrased and structured that question all 1,600-plus respondents were able to choose as many of the responses as they related to. And we got some really interesting results, and I'm going to share them now, and we will continue to reference them over the course of these conversations. And the results here are a percentage of respondents. So that means what percentage of people who took the poll chose each response, but they don't add up to 100% because you were allowed to select more than one. So we asked people to respond to these statements, and I'll give you the percentages. Uh, Those who said Columbus was a hero and should be celebrated outright was 30%. Uh, Columbus was a villain who should not have a holiday in his honor was 7%. Columbus Day is more about Italian-American heritage than one man and should not be changed, 47%. Columbus Day should be renamed Italian-American Day, 25%. Columbus should be condemned, but Columbus Day should be renamed Italian-American Heritage Day. 9%. Indigenous Peoples Day is a worthwhile celebration and should replace Columbus Day. 8%. Indigenous Peoples Day is a worthwhile celebration but should not replace Columbus Day. 28%. Indigenous Peoples Day is not a worthwhile celebration. 7%. Columbus is a good representative of Italian Americans. 8%. And finally, Italian Americans are not represented by Columbus. 26%. So while we try to leave room for people to give us a nuanced presentation of opinions, unfortunately, it leaves a little bit of a jumbled mess to understanding how the community really feels. So we've participated in a new poll that's going out now, solely on Columbus, with a lot less flexibility and a little bit more of a professional pollster's approach to gathering information. And that poll is going to be available on all of our social media, so we highly encourage those of you who are listening to take it and share it with people in your life who are Italian-American and not, so we can understand both our perspective and hopefully a national perspective on the holiday through raw data. So that's something really, really important. And that leads me to kind of the final point I want to share before we finish today's introduction and begin to release our subsequent episodes in coming weeks is what can you do 
to help further this conversation in a sophisticated way. Obviously, taking that poll will mean a great deal. We'll make sure to put it up on our social media today and tomorrow. You can also send us your questions for these experts. You can reach us on our website, www.italianamericanpodcast.com. You can reach us on social media. We're on Facebook at the Italian American Podcast, Instagram at Italian American, Twitter at Ital American. And you're more than welcome to email our team directly at info at italianpower.com. But I want to really make an appeal to this. As much as we understand everybody has passionate opinions, we really don't need to solicit your opinions, your mantras, your manifestos. Those, while valid for you, are not really going to help us further the conversation. What we want you to include is questions, questions we haven't thought about, questions others might not have thought about, questions that you can't find an answer to and that we can present to these experts and uh, even to our audience uh, using this platform to help us gather as much information as possible. So I know everybody is fired up about this and passions are high and I respect that, but it doesn't really do anything to move the conversation to take the time to simply tell us how you feel. We can't do anything about it unilaterally, but for this effort to ask the right questions of the right people. So if you have a recommendation for someone we should interview that you think is an expert for a particular reason, please give us those leads or give us your questions in as sophisticated a way as possible, and we'll do our best to try to get them included into this conversation as it evolves. And unlike many of our series, this one is open-ended. We don't know how many of these episodes will come out. We just know that we're going to do the best we can while maintaining the regular spirit of our show with normal episodes scattered throughout these conversations on Columbus until we feel like we've exhausted the resources, the voices, and the questions that need to be asked. So finally, the most important thing you can do is listen to these things with an open mind and an open heart. Uh, We really are trying to do this free of passion, and while we know it's a passionate topic, we ask that you do your best to listen the same, because there's going to be episodes where there's things that you like and agree with wholeheartedly, and there's going to be episodes with opinions that you can't stand and people that you disagree with vehemently. But that's okay. It's more than okay. It's important, and it's what makes our democracy function. And like I said earlier, we as Italian-Americans owe a great deal to this country, and whether we like its current state or not, the thing we owe most of all is civility in dialogue. That's an example that's far too rare these days and one that we hope we can bring. So we really ask for your patience and your objectivity. And I understand that there are many people who you could say two plus two equals four, and they are more than convinced that two plus two equals five, and no amount of evidence will turn their opinion. And that's okay too. Passion is a good thing. But we're doing this for the greater good, and we hope you can appreciate that as we go into it. So hopefully this was not too much of a ramble, but an honest and intimate look into what we're trying to do. And hopefully you will include yourself, your questions, your recommendations, and your attention to our efforts to be a thought leader on an important issue to us and an important issue to the nation. So we look forward to your thoughts on the coming shows. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. See that you're born in Italiano.